You know, it was interesting. Uh, I believe it was yesterday, Josh Allen uh, speaking at a press conference for Buffalo. And we said this earlier in the week, too, about T. Higgins' place in this injury to DeMar Hamlin. Josh coming out yesterday, other players coming out in support of T, but more importantly, DeMar Hamlin's family directly reaching out to T. Higgins and putting him at ease because of the fools like Bart Scott that went out on TV and others in social media that thought for any reason that T. Higgins had some role other than a being in a football play with what happened with DeMar Hamlin. Um, it just, you know, we, we never think about the other people involved sometimes in those situations. And glad to see all of yeah. those people come together. How ironic is it that it wasn't a dum-dum like Skip Bayless and the other guy that I did the dum-dum of the day on earlier this week that allegedly worked for ESPN, that it was Bart Scott, a guy who played the game, a guy who tackled people ferociously for a living. How ironic was it? I mean, not that he maybe had the support, if you will, of a defensive player, but just you would think somebody that played the game would be the last person to then go and point fingers and accuse and come up with conspiracy theories. How about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, and, and again, I mean, I, I, Bart was wrong. Well, Bart was wrong. I, I mean, clearly. he got, it, it, he, you know, it, it, talking about lowering his head, he hit him with his shoulder. Yeah. His shoulder is what made contact Well, we with talked about this on Tuesday morning. I mean, you know, again, there was, I, unless I missed it, there was zero nefarious behavior. Yeah. I mean, usually when you get something awful on the field, you know, there's, so, well, oh, he went too low. Oh, he hit him late. Oh, he, you know, hit him, speared him, What you know, whatever. Usually you have that. In, in this case, you, you, you had none of that. No, it's just a regular, just a regular football. Player. We do have great news, though. We do have great news, right? For all the conspiracy theories and controversies, and we were just talking about, you know, Frank Herzog not being invited to celebrate Sunny on Sunday, uh, and and so on and so forth. Um, how about this, Demar Hamlin? Right now, uh, or minutes ago, I don't know if it's still happening right now, is addressing. His Buffalo Bills teammates via FaceTime, according to multiple reports, the breathing tube is out, and he's uh, spent mul- uh, you know the morning speaking to various teammates on FaceTime, and now he's addressing the entire group of Buffalo Bills, according to Rap Sheet and according to other multiple reports. How about that? I mean, that's that's. I mean, look, I, I just like we saw. You know, everybody points to the Chuck Hughes incident in 1971. Our medical care is so far advanced uh, now than it was back then, um, you know, when Chuck Hughes had his incident on the field. And it's just a testament to uh, our medical professionals, the people that were there at the stadium, trained. You, you train even though these moments – I mean, Chris, these moments happen, you know, once in a, in a blue moon to this level. You know, people that uh, unfortunately, you know, get spinal or, or neck injuries, head injuries, um, you know, but these are professionals that are trained that if that moment happens, this is what we do. And all of those people um, just need to get patted on the back for, uh, you know, getting to this young man's aid as quickly as possible uh, and, and every second. Every second in a situation like that, 
uh, means everything in terms of uh, just as the doctors were saying is uh, vitals and neurologically everything was looking good yesterday. Every second they save uh, by the quality of their work, um, you know, is a step forward in helping DeMar Hamlin uh, return at least to a, a healthy everyday life. Football's a secondary thing. You know, we talked about how Pronger was able to come back from his and play 12 years uh, in the NHL after that and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, God bless if DeMar Hamlin somehow gets back on a football field and plays, that's just, you know, tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. here. Um, just the fact that it looks like he's going to be able to, you know, hopefully continue on and, and in, have an in, incredible impact on his community. Well, so far it seems. Again, we, we've heard about the lung issues, uh, although that seems to be heading in the right direction. And, uh, y- you know, um, again, maybe it might not be good enough to let him play football anytime soon, if ever again. But remember on Tuesday morning, you know, one of the things that I mentioned to you that, you know, I guess I never really thought about until what happened with my stepmother last March is, you know, when you go into cardiac arrest, and especially if they can't get you going for any amount of time, and in her case, it was seemingly longer than what happened with Damar on, on Monday night, you were, like, when the brain doesn't get oxygen and the body doesn't get oxygen, it, it it becomes, I mean, it, it's so quick. It's so fast. It's so, oh, my God, we've got to get this going, like, immediately. Because all it takes is a couple of minutes. And the person might be able to live with assistance or what have you. But you want to talk about organ shutdown and body shutdown. That That's the recipe right there. You know, so to think that this guy... Uh, is has had his breathing tube removed now overnight that he is talking to his teammates via technology that he is able to you know write and and communicate and what have you tells me and and the things that we've heard his brain is intact his neurological which we saw that in the store in the uh, statement yesterday which we mentioned on the show neurologically he's intact and I think, I mean, the removal of the breathing tube would, would tell me, without being a doctor, that his lungs are at least responding. Yeah, I mean, right? and, yeah, and, and you know what else? Uh, in, a, in a world that's got so much clutter and negativity right now, this week has once again shown us um, there's a lot of good in people, man. Yeah, I man. I mean, uh, you know, people, people – you know, raising almost what seven million dollars now uh, for his foundation. Yeah, that's incredible. And and in a in a community that he's trying to help, believe me, that is going to go a long way uh, to helping a lot of kids in uh, that community in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. So, uh, God bless all these people and uh, that have chipped in and helped out. But more importantly, God bless our medical professionals who have yeah. uh, come in and, and helped. Uh, this family here, and that's great news uh, for, you know, DeMar Hamlin. Coming up this week, teams are going to go back out on the field, Chris, and that's that's the other thing. You know, I think for 90, maybe 95% is too strong a number, but for 95% of uh, players this week, once the games are kicked off, you know, we're playing football, uh, there may be a couple of guys that, you know, have 
you know, a little bit of hesitation. It's human nature uh, coming up this week. But, you know, we, we're, it's, it's, it's that cruel part of where we're getting back to the business of football, uh, so to speak. And for the Washington Commanders, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking about this. Craig Carton had a great line uh, on WFAN yesterday. Uh, thinking about, he goes, think about, because with um, Sacramento Kings looking like they're going to make the playoffs in the NBA, barring a major collapse, they played well out in the West. The Jets are going to be the franchise that has the longest streak of not making postseason play. And he goes, think about the hours we have wasted, the total hours wasted over the last 12 years, you know, getting up every day to watch the Jets and only to see their season come to an end at the end of the regular season. No playoffs, no chance of, you know, no no hope of even, you know, a miracle in the postseason or anything like that. And in a sense, when you go back and look through the years, I mean, think about how many hours that Commanders fans have now wasted through the years of, you know, non-successful regular season football where there has no, there's not been postseason uh, at the end uh, of the rainbow uh, for this team. You know, they got lucky a couple of years ago. The rest of the division was bad. How ironically, uh, the division is flipped now. And it's mm-hmm. one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you do pick low in the draft or high in the draft, you should get your team uh, moving in the right direction somewhat quickly. And those three teams have done that uh, outside of Washington. And, and look, I mean, the commanders, again, mathematically have a chance to be at 500. So you'd have your whole division. Uh, you know, up around the 500 mark or better, um, you know, with the way they play. It's not like Washington's a four-win team. So the division has gotten better. It's much, much more competitive. But here we are, Chris, singing the same tune. Starting Monday, we're going <laughs> to recap this season. Where did it go wrong? And then all of a sudden we start turning our attention to, to ownership, to who's the coach going to be, who's the general manager going to be. Uh, you know, will Ron be able to fill it, finish out the contract, which has at least two more years on it? You know, what what needs are we addressing in free agency and the draft coming up again? Who are the top? I mean, how many people are going to be calling in over the next few weeks, Chris? Hey, who are the top linebackers or who are the top offensive linemen that uh, Washington might be uh, looking at uh, in the upcoming draft? Chris, we're we're almost it's almost like a rinse and repeat scenario uh, with this team and what could be the final exclamation point on this season and kind of the final indignity is the Cowboys are playing potentially for a top seed and they're coming in here and they are playing. So, you know, there's a chance that this could be, you know, not exactly aesthetically, you know, pleasing. Oh, it's going to uh, be on the weekend. Oh, it's going to be ugly. I mean, and the final score might be thirty-one to three, or or, or thirty-eight to seven, or or something like that. And they'll again be two-thirds of the house will be. What Cowboys if it's fans. not? By the way, well, what if it's not? I mean, listen, if Sam Howell can play well and they can lose, that's the two most important things. Well, three most important things. One, nobody gets significantly injured. I mean, you know, a hamstring is one thing. Whatever. I mean, that they have nothing but time at this point on their hands. Uh, I'm talking about ACL injured. I'm talking about, you know, a, a terrible thing like what happened last week or something worse. You know, w- what have you, right? I mean, we start with that player health. Um, again, nagging injury, one thing, you know, a broken finger, not a big deal, whatever. That's number one. Number two, most important things is that the commanders lose. Number three, for me, and I assume for most fans, is that Sam Howell looks 
like he can be possibly one day the number one guy, even if they lose. Like, mm-hmm. if, if they lose 38-31 and Sam Howell goes for 350, I, I guarantee you there's going to be a 500,000 Sam Howell jerseys ordered, and there is going to be a loud, loud cry over the offseason to start Sam Howell week one, no questions asked, or to start training camp with Sam Howell as the number one. And, you know, whatever other jabroni, 9-5 to five ham and egger that you want to put in there as his backup, fine. I mean, if that ha- – now, the opposite can happen is – remember what Logan Paulson said earlier this week, is that he was told, and from what he's seen, uh, he's not he, he's not ready to go. He's not prepared. He's not where he needs to be. Okay, if you take that because Logan's really smart and he's obviously connected and he talks to people inside the building, so you know where that, some of that's coming from. If not a lot of it, I don't know. It could look really bad, and you could have a 38-7 loss. You could have 50,000 Cowboys fans. You could have a a horrible reaction to Sonny getting honored. You could have a spectacle playing out on cold pizza and and speak softly and, and, you know— uh, and speak incoherently on FS1 and all this stuff about, oh, my God, how, l- look at the scene. Look at Cowboy fans for the first time ever invaded FedEx Field. Because that that could be the narrative. And I joke about that because we, we all know that it's not going to be the first time ever. But national dum-dums don't pay attention like we do to the – problems that have existed here for many, many, many years where this has become basically a home game for the Cowboys. It has in some ways, not every year, but in some ways it has become a home game for the Cowboys. You know, so like that's the doomsday scenario. The positive scenario is, hey, Sam Howell goes out, balls throw for 300 plus, you know, three touchdowns, one pickle or turnover. You know, the operation looks good, uh, even with, you know, a vagabond offensive line. No Brian Robinson, no Antonio Gibson. Nobody gets majorly injured. Everyone, you know, kind of survives, and they lose. Because, again, the losing, the losing for me is the number one thing that has to happen. I do not, again, I will be pissed if they win this game. You cannot win this game if you're the Washington Commanders. I don't care what Ron says. Nothing that Ron says matters to me. And, it, and, and you know this. I, I'm not a big, like, I interpret everything that the coach says and what, like, a lot of people believe that the coaches, you know, I think people have figured out that Ron just says things to say things. Um, I don't want to call him a liar. I, that, that's wrong. I think Ron says a lot of things just to say things. People were snookered by that around here for two-plus years. I've always been of the thought, I just know, because I knew Mike Shanahan and I knew Jay Gruden, that coaches just say things to say things. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. You've got to answer questions that you don't want to answer. And Ron was misleading people, and people were buying in. Ron, by him going out there and saying, we want to win, we're playing this game to win, Uh, going balls out, whatever. No, 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 Ron, please manage your worst game here. Do even worse than you normally do. Don't spend any of your timeouts. 
don't conserve clock. <laughs> you literally want this game to end. It starts at 425. You want this game to end at 645. Like, wow. please do not do anything you can to win this game. Anything. That's the most important. I mean, again, major. What, a, what is Sam going to turn around and just hand it to Williams 25 times I, I in this know. game? I mean, avoiding major injury is, of course, number one. I'm not that cruel. But number 1A is doing anything you can to make sure you do not win this game. And yet, they're going to do just the opposite. And I'm sorry, that is a problem. Like, I get that we're all professionals. I'm a professional. I want to do the best job I can. I don't want to, you know, be a, a – I don't want to be incoherent. I don't want to be unprepared. Sometimes I do a better job than other days. Okay, you know me. You you work with me every day. You're stuck with me for three hours every day. Okay, but we're all professionals. I get that there's a certain level of pride. Let me tell you something. If CK told me, hey, you know what, Chris? It's better for the radio show. It's better for the radio station if you only do two of the three hours and let Pete do a final hour. I would be frustrated. I would be competitively prideful. But I would say, ah, you know what? Maybe he, maybe the boss man's right. Maybe he's got data that I talk too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, like here's what I'm telling you. It is a nightmare if they win this game. A nightmare. It is terrible if the terrible if they win this game. It's bad. Everything else doesn't matter in my eyes. Again, as I said. <laughs> Last, look, the, them trading down to 16, Jahan Dotson working out, would be Ron's way of saying, Chris, look, if we pick if we pick at 14 or if we pick at 10, you know, it's okay. It's okay. He can I, say I want, that. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to promote winning culture around yeah. here. Every time we take the field, we need to win. You know what Ron also said? You know, if Carson Wentz can rebound for, like he was in 2017, we'll be great. Hey, man. Look, look, every coach, every coach gives hope. I know. Okay? No I know. coach ever comes to the preseason press conference and goes, well, you know, I don't think we're going to be real good this year. Uh, our roster's a little short. Um, you know, I don't think we have a quarterback. And, I know. You know, we're, we're missing some skilled people. I mean, nobody really ever comes to the season and says that. So, Well, Pete, I don't expect him to say it, but I'm damn sure allowed to say it to our audience. Oh, no. I mean, look, look, you, and, you know what I'm and, saying? Hey. Chris, the problem is, is not only is he not saying it, but Ron's so stubborn that he believes they should win this game, which is the which is the exact opposite of how he should believe privately. The results bear it out, Chris. I mean, you you sell one thing, okay? It's just like when you go to a car dealership. You know, the the guy or gal selling you the car, you know, tells you, you know, oh yeah, this car's got this, it's got that, yada yada. And then you find out after you test drive it, well, this isn't quite, you know, what it what it seems. <laughs> so, you know, that that's what this has been. Ron sold us uh, that this this team had to make a move, and through 12 weeks, Chris, it was. It was making a move in a positive direction. And then unfortunately, uh, the wheels uh, have fallen off the cart. And that's the unfortunate part of this where uh, a team that looked like it was going to the playoffs all of a sudden uh, is now going nowhere. But uh, to work on its offseason, 301-230-0980. Let's get your thoughts on this. Are you? Do you want this team to win on Sunday? I know there's a diehard faction of you that says, this is the Dallas Cowboys. We have 
to win this football game. I know there's some of you out there. 301-230-0980. That's how you get to us here on a Friday morning. It's Washington. It's Dallas. It's the regular season finale right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Halfway home on a Friday show. By the way, you know what time I rolled in my house last night? Uh, 3.17. How about four? Oh! Yep, four. What, what took stopped the extra got time? Me, stopped me. Well, there was an accident on 81, and I stopped and got some Rudder's chocolate milk on the way home. Had to get gas. You know, I mean, six hours in a car straight. It's tough if you don't get out. You know, your body just kind of sits oh, there. Yeah. Nothing moves. You want to get your body, blood moving around a little oh, bit. Oh, I would have to pee five times, too. Uh, I mean, I, I drink I, did, I, I mean, I drink like a fish. So. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I you know, I purposely did not stop to eat because I, I had to make sure I got there uh, yesterday. I mean, it, you have to get, you have to sacrifice on, like, in other words, I didn't stop my normal Cracker Barrel stop on my way oh, up or anything like Grammy's that. Grammy's French toast. Yeah. Got a uh, reprieve. Yeah, they, they, they got to keep some of that uh, last night. I the mean, Cracker was, Barrel in Scranton. You, you Disappointed. Have to, you have to make sure you get there, you know. Uh, you can't be late for the game. <laughs> Flow in Scranton, Wilkes Bear, hey. Pennsylvania at the uh, actually, Cracker Barrel on be, German uh, the Valley Road. It would be Flow in Binghamton, by the oh, way. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Though I think there is one in Scranton. I'm sure yeah. there's probably one in Scranton. Oh, I'm sure there is. Uh, but uh, it would be Flow in Binghamton normally on that trip. Uh, so, uh, it was just, you know, it was, I had to sacrifice on that side. So of course, you know, I mean, I got, you know, a number seven plane with a large Coke on the way home and, uh, just kept on moving, tried to keep on moving so I could get home, uh, last night. Cause I knew I had to be right here to be on the program right. on a Friday morning. So you know, you know, it's legal to take a day off. Yeah, I know, but it's just not me. I mean, it's I just not me. I know. It's um, not. yeah, not right now. Anyway, uh, let's get things going with our audience. Final regular season game. What are the feels right now? Is it's Washington and Dallas, and and look, let's face it, the 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 rivalry stuff is nothing more than you know, just hearsay at this point. It's not really a rivalry like it was anymore, and certainly the stakes are not that high this weekend, at least for one of the teams. Unfortunately, it's our team. It's going to line three. Mark and Landover Hills gets us going on a Friday morning. What's up, Mark? Top of the day to you, Pete. Make sure you get some rest later, my friend. Top of the day to you, Rooster. Hey, Mark. How are you, pal? I'm doing fine, buddy. Thanks for asking. Hey, look, guys. I've been I've been waiting a while, and you got I got something stuck in my craw. I was telling Matt, man, and I want to be as fair about this like Chris and you were yesterday, Pete. And you guys were spot on about that too. You weren't. You, you had to leave, Pete, and I called in and told Rooster about that. But man, these statues. And these dedications and everything else, man, it's about time that somebody said something, so I'm going to say it, man. If they're going to do this kind of stuff, man, it is exactly what you gentlemen said. They need to do a little more checking because, man, they should have done this a long time ago, like Frank Herzog said. Number two, Frank Herzog should be there, just like Pete and Kevin said. All the Redskin fans should be madder than hell that he's not there. 
Uh, I can assure you that the old West Virginia hillbilly would be there if he was still kicked above the grass. And it's just ridiculous. It's time after time after time. You know, I'm, I think we're deep, Pete. I think we're dealing with the the Redskins organization has pretty much got fumbleitis like Terry Metcalf had. It's just <laughs> totally rude and out of proportion how they treat the fans in the area, and they can, nobody can be that clueless without being nasty. And guys, make sure you have a good day, man. And I just had to get that off my chest. And Thanks, one more man. thing, man. We're going to put up any more statues or anything else, man. There's a guy that wore number 28. And anybody that's a Redskin fan should be pushing for his statue yep. and making a big one because he's a small man. Yep. But he was an awful big man on the football field. Take care, guys, Thanks, and have a nice Mark. day. Appreciate it. Well, uh, we, that, we said when Alex Ovechkin, we were talking about him being the number one athlete in D.C. sports. I mean, Daryl Green is the only guy that is ultimately going to be able to rival Alex Ovechkin in terms of his impact, longevity, and significance to one and only one franchise. I mean, look, that's the the beauty of, you know, a guy staying loyal to uh, a a city. You know, Daryl could have easily, you know, gone back to Texas or – uh, anything like that, because obviously he came from Texas A&I. I mean, he could have done any number of things when his career was over. And, you know, he has invested in this area. He's invested in our communities. And he has to be on the short list of guys going forward uh, that get honored next uh, for his dedication to the franchise. So, I mean, that's, uh, again, just – and, and Daryl is as a good a human being as you can possibly, you know, ask for. Um in the community. So that that's the – he's probably on that very short list of people going forward. Let's go to line four, Roberto980. What's up, Roberto? Hiya, boys. Happy Friday. Hello, Roberto. Rooster. Yes. I understand that you want us to lose. Yeah. However, I bet to differ. Here's the damn Cowboys. I hate them. I hated them when I was a Giants fan. I hate. I still hate them just as much. No way. In having oh hell, I want to lose to the Cowboys, especially on Sunday's day. No way in having oh hell. Have a nice weekend. Appreciate you. Look, look. There are people like Roberto that I'm sure. You know, look at it. It's the Cowboys. you got to win the game. And what better way to finish the season if you can't do anything for yourself, uh, do it for them. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that's that's where some Washington fans are going to be this week. So the players are going to try and win the game, Chris. They're, 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 because if you go out there and do anything but try to win the game and don't play hard, you're going to get – you're going to get hurt. You're going to get yourself hurt. I, I, I get that. I mean, the players are in an absolutely brutal position because, again, a win hurts way, way, way more than it helps. But I don't care about recent history either. But does uh, it, Chris? It I mean, does. how much does it hurt? Pete, you can't say the same exact scenario that worked out last year is going to work out again this year. You can't say that. We're only talking about a couple of spots. Pete, would you rather if you have to? Tra- they they were they were never going to trade up last year, ever, ever, especially once they made the Wentz deal. 
but they weren't going to, okay? So they they didn't need to move up. If they feel they have to move up for whatever reason, whether it be for a quarterback or whether it be for something else, a linebacker or a tackle or whatever, would you rather move up from 11 or 16 or five or 15? If you have to move up to nine, if you have to do what the Eagles and the Cowboys did two years ago, mm-hmm. is it easier to move up from 11 or 15? Yeah, I mean, sure. Of uh, course. Logistically, of course it is. Of course. But if you, if you do, if you're doing your job in the front office, just as they did with Dotson this year, you can find a, a great football player to come help you, whether it's a 10, whether it's a 12, 14, whatever. I, I, I get into this point where unless you're, unless you're tanking for the obvious, unless there's an Alexander Ovechkin, okay, unless there's a LeBron James, unless there's a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, you know, that's worth, you know, tanking for, so to speak, you know, I I just think you can find a, a really good football player. Of, now, of course, you can. Joe find Burrow. Him. I mean, the other like you know, just like a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, Joe Burrow. You know, that I, I and look, I'll be honest with you, Chris. I'll be honest. With you, I'd love to know. I'd love. I'd love to know the real truth serum answer. If they were picking at one instead of two, would they have picked Burrow over Young? Yes, they should have. I mean, do you think they? Do you think the owner would have let them do that? Um, I th- think so. Yes, because it was a quarterback. It, it, not if it was like an offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Because saying, it was I mean, a quarterback who had won a national championship at LSU with one of the greatest college seasons we've I ever seen, and, and and great talent around him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it was a quarterback. Because the owner has been hell-bent on the quarterback, and and so has the organization, and so is everyone else. And it's largely the number one on-field reason why they haven't been able to get their heads out of their asses. That's what the that's what they keep telling us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Ron, Scott Turner reiterated it again yesterday. Yeah. yeah. You know, so let's go to line five. Peter and Wilmington. What's up, Peter? Hey, guys. Good morning. Hey, Pete. Uh, thank God Hamilton's doing good. Really happy about that. You know, I want to remind the Cowboy fans that the Redskins, as bad as they are, they were they put Tom Landry in their ring of honor before Tom Landry was put in the ring of honor at their stadium in Dallas. So that's one thing they did. They they honored Tom Tom Landry way before Dallas did. I thought that was a little thing. Wait, who who but, did that? You know, I'm sorry. Wait, 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 Peter. Who who did that? I'm sorry. I I missed the beginning. The, the Redskin organization put Tom Landry in the ring of honor at FedEx Field. Before Dallas did at their stadium, I don't, I don't know if it was a new stadium or the old stadium. They but did. I think it was a new stadium. Really? Did you know that? No, I, no, I didn't know that. Tom Landry's in the Ring of Honor first before Dallas. Washington put Tom Landry in the Ring of Honor first before Dallas did in their own stadium. Uh, you know, you know, uh, Tom Landry was you know basically thrown out of the the Cowboys, uh, basically just hammered goodbye. Okay. Uh, if you remember that, I mean, I, I well, don't, yeah, I mean, I know what you're true. saying about the end of his tenure. Yeah. There it was it was kind of you know wasn't that wasn't handled yeah. by uh, Jerry Jones and that group very, you know, very. No, but I'm just saying well. the Redskins put Tom Landry. They honored him before 
than his, the Dallas Cowboys did. That's just a small little trivia thing. If, I mean, you could ask anybody, that actually happened. But getting to the game itself, uh, I hope they lose. And they're going to lose. You know, Dallas is not going to come in here and lose this game. I can guarantee that. And now that we're sitting all these players, I don't see the possibility of us winning. However, I'm here in North Carolina, and there's a lot of people that come into my house that love the Carolina and Sam Howell. We watched those games for the last four or five years before he came here, and he's magnificent. This guy is a player. And if we have the right coaching staff, and I don't think he does for him, he, he could be something special. And Ron made the two biggest blunders I think I could ever remember a coach making. Who I like Ron, I don't want to fire him. But to get wins and then to put him into that game was an unbelievable blunder. So I hope they lose. I hope they lose. And I know that's a, kind of a negative thing, but I'm on Chris's side with this. I'd rather have 11 than 15. Thanks, guys. Great show. Appreciate you, Peter. Think about that. Somebody actually agreed with Rooster. What? Well, I mean, the the world would be a better place if everyone saw things the way I see things. Uh, maybe maybe the world would be a better place, according to Rooster, if if people would see things. No, no, your no, way. no. Reality, Pedro. Reality. It, I was going to say at least at least you for at least uh, a couple of moments uh, would would not be off the chain. The the ultimate is to find something that you and Paulie can come to some common ground on. I thought, that, me, I thought if that ever happens, I thought me and Paulie were like getting a little closer, and then yesterday he starts hammering me the second you walked out of here because I had the audacity to make a a comparison of uh, I think it was uh, something the commanders were doing to food or dieting or <laughs> something like that, and he because I took five minutes to kind of talk about that, which was a brilliant point. Uh, I remember yep, it. You were filibustering. Because of that, he he fired off four nasty negative tweets in about I three minutes. I so I kept I his that. ass on hold for an extra half an hour. <laughs> See, Chris, remember, you always have the control. Exactly. Woo! That's what the important thing to remember. 301-230-0980, final regular season game, the memories of this 2022 season. Memories of them. I mean, it's just, you know, it's so much to talk about from this season. So many great memories. And yeah. the season's unfortunately going to end this week. More of your calls next right now. The big fella tells us what's trending. All right, we'll start with this. Good news for um, DeMar Hamlin, as doctors have all talked about his amazing recovery. And as we mentioned earlier this hour, to start touchdown at 10, he addressed the rest of his Buffalo Bills teammates this morning via FaceTime, breathing tube out overnight. Uh, and again, now he's talking to teammates via technology uh, and certainly making great recovery uh, and where he goes from here, obviously, still has to be determined. Uh, but just a couple of days after a horrifying incident, DeMar Hamlin is apparently on the road to recovery. So kudos to him and everyone involved in that situation. Meanwhile, the cap 
Caps winning again last night in Columbus. Alex Ovechkin with another goal tonight. They return home to Capital One Arena to face the Nashville Predators, who beat the Carolina Pan- uh, Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes last night. Raleigh, UC Soros, their starting goaltender with 64 saves. Don't know if he's going to play. Don't know if Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom are going to return, but they are getting close. Caps and the Preds, 7 o'clock, 106.7, the fan and the Odyssey app. Meanwhile, right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app, starting at 745, it's the Wizards back in action against the Oklahoma City Thunder. No Bradley Beal for at least a week dealing with another hamstring injury, and that's what's trending. Big ups to Mike Brennan and the AU Eagles. 3-0 in Patriot League play, 11-3 overall. The great freshman Jeff Sprouse with a corner three to send it to overtime in Worcester last night. E.J. Stevens 21 as the Eagles rallied for a 73-68 win at Holy Cross last night. So a lot of good happenings locally in basketball. And with football season, you know, finally coming to an end, college basketball finally kind of gets to get some of its due as we get closer to March. And certainly locally with all the teams uh, that we have around here, Maryland, another tough loss last night. And Kevin Willard's finding out the same thing Mark Turgeon did. When you don't have guys that can shoot regularly and when you don't, when you have guys that don't make good decisions on the court in terms of shot selection, then that that's a problem, especially in the Big Ten against some of the teams uh, that they're playing right now. Rutgers playing great basketball. I mean, Rutgers playing great basketball uh, under Coach Peichel. So uh, great job there by uh, the Scarlet Knights and, of course, the local product, Mr. Spencer, getting it done. You know, his brother uh, percolating around the G League after being a great lacrosse player. Now uh, Cam up there at Rutgers, the transfer from Loyola, uh, playing very well for Rutgers. Uh, as well. 301-230-0980. That's how you get to us here on the Team 980. Uh, We're taking your calls. Final regular season game. You heard Rooster that the team needs to lose. Uh, Peter and Wilmington actually agreed with him. You know, want to make sure we pick 10 or 11 as opposed to 14. It worked out. You traded back last year. And, you know, and I would say if Ron and them are in charge here, there's a potential chance that they do that again, considering they're not going to have, uh, you know, the third round pick that they've got to send to Indianapolis. And if at this point, ultimately one game is not going to, you know, tell you for certain that Sam Howell's your guy going forward, but there's no chance they're going to be in the position to pick Bryce Young because the team that's going to be at number one is going to take him, and that would likely be the Houston Texans. And you're probably, I would say, you're not going to be in a position to take C.J. Stroud. After that, man, it's a roll of the dice. It's a crapshoot. But you know you know what? If you want one of those two guys and you're hell-bent on getting one of those guys and paying whatever cost it takes, it's a lot easier to get up from 10 or 11 to 1 or 2 than it, it is it, from 15 It is, 18. But, but you run the risk of being, ending up like the Rams and Sean McVay. Uh, four, sure. Four, four, sure. Four and 13. I would never do it. Team but, is crippled, yeah. and they have no draft picks. I, I would never do it, but I'm the guy who screamed on this radio station back from their building that I wouldn't have done the Robert Griffin trade before they did the Robert Griffin trade and then crushed them for it. I, I mean, I would never do any of that stuff. Yeah, for one year, I, I would be for the, one year, and you know what? For one year, it looked like a stroke of genius. Yeah, I would be the most conservative, common-sense-filled 
GM, you know, and fans would hate me because fans don't also understand reality and common sense either. They just, you know, they people, there are people actually with live microphones that believe you should do anything and everything, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, if you believe the quarterback of your dreams is there. What happens when you're wrong? And you often are. What happens if you aren't good enough at evaluating that? Well, I mean, what happens if that guy just gets injured and he steps in a pothole and, tw- and, and rips his knee up and he's never the same? That's every, why you don't do whatever it takes. Right. For every Peyton Manning, there's a Ryan Leaf. And there are a lot of people, Chris, there are a lot of people, even in that draft, if you, you go back and you give a lot of NFL executives the truth serum. Yeah. Because Ryan Leaf had an absolute cannon for an arm. There were a lot of people who thought he was going to be better than Peyton Manning. Yeah. Because remember, Peyton Manning Peyton Manning came up short in some big games at Tennessee. Yes, he there did. were a lot of people that thought, you know, maybe he didn't have the clutch gene, so to speak. Well, that was well, I, you're talking to one of them. I was dead wrong, but I now listen. Peyton Manning, I mean, despite what people want to say about Peyton, you know, all the praise that they want, I mean, Peyton Manning often struggled against really good defenses in the playoffs. He did. I I mean, you want to call that choke? You want to call that underachievement? He absolutely did. He had wall-to-wall Hall of Fame talent. First-rounders, a palooza. Bill Pullian spent 80% of their salary cap, I think it was in 2005, on offense. 80%. Okay? Peyton Manning underachieved when when it came to playoff games. He absolutely did. No matter what Grant Paulson is going to tell you. Okay? He absolutely did. (laughs) The problem is, okay, like everybody looks at, well, you know, if the Colts would have went with Ryan. And again, I, I admit I had that way wrong. Way wrong. But there's a million other examples since then, Pete, of teams that are desperate, desperate to get the quarterback that they've identified as the guy that they think will be, you know, the guy. And they've all been wrong, including this organization, several times. Or at least one big time. Uh, in terms of the draft and in terms of trading up. But, I mean, it doesn't – I mean, the Rams, golf, uh, the Eagles, Wentz, um, uh, um, the, um, uh, the Bears, Trubisky. I mean, a million that examples. Was a, I was going to say that's a bad that that that's been a terrible uh, right. deal. A million examples, uh, not a million, but many. You know, so I, again, I have a great example that I want to cite when we come back, okay. and we'll get to the to the calls. I don't want to shortchange anybody here, but I have a great a great example of another quarterback that I want to I want to cite when we come back and and get your thoughts on it as well. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty. Washington, if they lose, certainly going to end up somewhere around 10. The closer you are to the top and you want to make a trade with a team in front of you, the higher you are certainly makes it more attractive uh, to that team. If somehow C.J. Stroud ends up down there, because Bryce Young's going to be long gone, Stroud's probably the next guy. Either he, there are some that still, and, and to me, Will Levis is kind of like one of these players that if you – you fall in love with watching him throw in shorts and a T-shirt, you're going to go, wow, that guy could save our franchise. And then when they put a football uniform on, sometimes it gets a little bit different. But I got an example I want to cite 
for the Rooster when we return. 301-230-0980. That's how you get to us on the Team 980. Streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.